Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and let's see, I have a very interesting buzz quote. It's actually from an American horror movie based on a Stephen King novella titled Cycle of the Werewolf, and the title of the movie is Silver Bullet. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let me give you a little bit of dialogue, and then we'll get into the topic a little more fully here. Gary Busey playing Uncle Red said, I mean, uh... What the heck are you going to shoot a 44 bullet at anyway, made out of silver? And Corey Haim, playing Marty Koslaw, says, how about a werewolf? Let me just let that sink in for a second. So what are we talking about? A silver bullet. You may not know the definition. I wasn't sure, and I looked it up. Number one, it's an infallible means of attack or defense. It's also a simple remedy for a difficult or intractable problem. It can be any simple but sweeping solution to a complex or virtually insurmountable problem. It can be a bullet made of silver, referring to the folkloric belief that such bullets are the only weapons that can kill a werewolf. And the last one, it can be any straightforward solution perceived of great effectiveness or bring miraculous results. There you go. There are your definitions. So besides vampires or werewolves, is there ever a silver bullet? Many solution provider organizations are shifting the fundamentals of their business from project-based, and this is key, to recurring revenue-based. This transformation is a massive challenge. It's not easy, but it's worth it. There are many levers an organization has to pull to get there, push and pull and turn on that journey. We have three experts, specialists, people who really care about this topic. We have Charles Bennett, we have Dave Hartley, and we have John Scala, all from SAP. And they're going to talk about those many levers that gets to be pushed and pulled in the silver bullet that may be a core foundational principle for every successful recurring revenue business. And that's the introduction. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome. This is episode number six of one of our new series in 2020. Happy to be here. It's almost holiday time here around the the world and it's been a heck of a year in 2020. So let's see, let's get some optimism going. I'm going to ask my panelists to each introduce yourself, take a couple minutes and tell us what you do, what's your role, and what does this topic mean to you? Just a brief overview. Charles Bennett, you're up first. Welcome, Charles. Talk to me. Thank you very much, Bonnie. It's nice to see you. And Thank so you. Um, I, I work for um, SAP's Global Partner Organization. And in that, I help to develop the, our cloud channel. In other words, the partners that we work with to take our cloud products uh, to market. So in the introduction, you're talking about the change um, that business is going through right now. And it's, it's these guys that are right, that are right at that forefront um, of that change. Um, so I'm lucky enough to work with these, with these different partners uh, around the world. Um, I, you know, I love working with the different people and it gives me a chance to, to go out, um, uh, meet people obviously virtually at the moment, uh, but help them, uh, help them to learn about what they need to change um, and coach them and mentor them through those, those changes. Is there a um, silver bullet? Charles, <laughs> There's, it's hard work. There's no silver bullet. Yeah, it's um, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, when you work hard at something, then you have a chance of succeeding. But it's hard work. 
Thank you. We're not going to sugarcoat this bullet, but but there are answers out there. Thank you very much, Dave Hartley. You are up next. Dave, welcome. And why don't you take a couple of minutes, introduce yourself. And what's your passion for this topic? David, how are you? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Welcome to you as well. Thanks for having us. Um, My passion for this topic is really born out of the fact that this is critical for companies right now. Working in the cloud or working with a recurring revenue business, it's mission critical that we're staying engaged with customers and driving successful outcomes, much more so than the days when we're working only in on-premise software. Um, So I like being where the action's at. This is definitely the action in the industry, customer success. I'm currently our global head within our global partner organization at SAP for our partner customer success practice, which uh, is our mission is to make sure that SAP and our partners that resell our software um, are on the same page in terms of the outcomes we want, the approaches that we're taking, and how we're going to market together in a recurring revenue business where we need to stay engaged with our customers. So it's really driving that approach. And as Charles said, Lots of hard work. There is no silver bullet. It is hard work. Uh, But really, my silver bullet answer to that would be it's staying engaged with the customer for the lifetime of that customer. Thank you. Dave, rumor has it you were a CPA. You worked at EY. You want to tell us a little bit about starting out as a CPA? Any any, uh, tips or tricks or secrets you want to share? Or how did you get out of that and into what you do now? I'm, (laughs) I'm curious. Yeah, I don't consider myself getting out of it because I was a little bit unique in that I never wanted to be an accountant. I did it as business training. I had uh, several friends who had gone through their articles and I saw what they were learning and the exposure they were getting across multiple industries. And I said, that'll be my MBA. So I did that and got my training and no regrets. And I think it was a week having got my uh, letters before I was moved on to the IT industry. So I didn't stick around in accounting too long. Dave, that is inspirational. I haven't (laughs) heard that one before. I have degrees in so many fields I've lost track, but they all got, and I was never trained in journalism or broadcasting or anything. But I think over time you find your passion, right, Dave? You find where you want to be. Very clever getting that and a lot of work, getting your letters. And I've never heard it said exactly like that. Thank you very much, CPA. Those letters that mean so much and you still carry them with you somewhere, somewhere in the briefcase of this is who I thought I was. I used yeah, to be some knowledge still retained in there for sure. I'm sure that there's always jobs waiting in that field for you. Anyway, John Scola, you're up next. John, you're back. You are. I, I wish our listeners could see you on this fabulous. We call it in, in uh, the art world. I think they call it a gradated background. It goes from a deep cerulean blue to a turquoise, a teal, and then into some kind of green. And you've got your SAP logo behind you and your hat on. What does your hat say? Shimano. Shimano. John Scola, in case there were three people in the world who tusk, tusk on them, don't remember who you are. And now's your chance to reintroduce yourself. John Scola, welcome. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Bonnie. And great to be back and great to be with uh, David and Charles also on this topic of uh, customer success. Um, So I work for SAP, as Bonnie said, and um, I'm responsible for our go-to-market cloud channels. Uh, What does that mean? That means that um, we work with partners, like Charles was saying, we work with partners all the time to help them improve and increase and augment their cloud practices around SAP technology. 
We call it go-to-market cloud channels because we work with the partners in order to help them go to market, right? How can they be more efficient in finding more opportunities? How can they be more efficient in driving through sales cycles faster? How can they be more efficient in in driving customer success and long-term value of, of the SAP solutions with, with our with our customers. And like Charles said, it's a tremendous amount of hard work this topic is for our um, for our partners. It is a big shift that the entire industry has gone through from on-premise to cloud, from going from a project-based to a recurring revenue-based uh, economic model. And um, we're here to help our partners as much as we possibly can. And um, hopefully we'll be able to share a few tips and tricks today with everyone. Bye. I think we will. Thank you very much. Nice to have the three of you with me. I do love the backgrounds. Uh, it's always a, a treat for me to see where you each position yourselves, my panelists here on Zoom. I've done radio for 11 years before this, all on the phone, actually many more years than that, but business radio since 2000. 11. Oh my goodness, it is almost 11 years. And I always had to intuit and listen very carefully to when somebody was about to pause or or continue and when they were going to take a break. We couldn't have dead air, but we didn't want to step on people. And now I get to watch you think, which is really, really cool. I call this nuanced radio. So let, before we move on, let's do a quick shout out since this is the final episode scheduled for this year for this series. Let's do a shout out to Sarah Dolan at SAP who's on maternity leave and Sarah is the one who started all this with me. So thank you, Sarah. What a great idea. What a brilliant idea. And David McAtamney took me three months to learn his last name. And now I hear he's moving on to a new role. How dare you, David? We'll miss you, David McAtamney and Dennis McHugh. And I want to thank all of you for sponsoring this series. Hopefully not saying goodbye. Hopefully saying hello again in 2021. So let's move on. This is the part of the show where I have asked my panelists in advance to send me a quote from a movie or a song, something interesting or something that is sort of a movie or a song will we'll broaden the scope there and tell me in their own words how in the world the quote relates to our topic. And if you're just tuning in, this is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering presented by SAP. And the topic formally is cloud economics. Is there a silver bullet? We're also talking about revenue-based business outcomes, and we're also talking recurring revenue, and we're also talking, of course, about customer success. And we're talking in broad global terms, not anybody's clients or customers or specific solutions. We're talking about insights for businesses in our listening audience all over the world. So let's go to the quotes, Charles. Bennett, you have sent me a quote from Winnie the Pooh, a character in Christopher Robin, a 2018 American fantasy comedy drama film, and I'm intrigued with the way they're describing movies. It's not just a movie. It's a fantasy comedy drama. They left out romantic. They left out horror. They left out cult. They put everything into these, and it was voiced by Ewan McGregor, and here is the beautiful quote, I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. Charles, I get goosebumps when I read this quote. <laughs> Tell me, what does this have to do with our topic? Love it. Go ahead. Uh I'll tell you, but first, I mean, I think it uh, gives a little bit of an insight into the kind of cinema that I enjoy uh, when I talk, when, I, when you know, Winnie the Pooh is one of those films that I really like. Um, of course, uh, read it myself and then watched the movies with my son as he was growing up. And so it always, it always um, uh, occurred to me that for a, a bear of very little brain, he has some uh, wonderful truisms that he comes up with. Um, and the truism here is not only the 
you know, the actual one where we do actually walk, for example, we get to where we're going from where we come from. But in this case, if you think about um, the partners, for example, that we're working with, for a long time now, they may have been working in this on-premise style of business, this project-based business. And the demands of the market, the way the market is changing is demanding that they walk away from that style of doing business uh, to embrace a new way of doing business. So that's the, the relationship, but I, I just like Winnie the Pooh. I like Winnie the Pooh. I, I don't know if anybody doesn't, Charles. And didn't, uh, who, who sang a song about uh, Pooh? Was it there uh, in the, Pooh, the corner? Uh, famous? Was it Piglet? I Post think Pooh Corner. Pooh, Pooh, that's yeah. right. And remind me, who yeah. was that? Who sang that song? I don't know. Uh, I'll have to look it up. It's a very famous, uh, not a folk singer, a rock singer who has a gentle side to him. Lovely. Thank you, Charles. Love the quote. And I, I think that could be a mantra for for our lives. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> I have to stop thinking about this quote. It's going to stop the whole show. Here we go. Dave Hartley is that as a quote. Another great quote from Willie Nelson. It's the title of a song, 1980, written and made famous by country music singer Willie Nelson. By the way, here's a little anecdote about the song about the quote dave in 1980 willie nelson starred in his first leading role in the movie in the film honeysuckle rose about an aging musician who fails to achieve national fame and about his relationship with his family who are part of his band traveling and playing venues across the u.s after he signed the movie contract the real willie nelson on a plane trip was approached by the movie's executive producer who said hey willie would you write a theme song about the movie? And Willie Nelson wrote the song on the side of a, are you ready? This was on an airplane. What do you have handy on an airplane? A barf bag. And Willie Nelson jotted down the lyrics to the song on a bag. We'll just say a bag you use when you're not feeling well on a flight. And the name of the song is On the Road Again. And here's Dave. I don't know if I've shocked you or upset you, but it was in the Wikipedia for the song. And here's the quote, and I'm going to sing it. Don't be mad at me, Dave. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. That wasn't too bad. Dave, rescue me. Talk to me. How'd you find this quote? Dave Hartley. Yeah, well, much like Charles, you know, the simple uh, truisms, right? I guess Willie had a, an art for that, even if he was writing it on the back of a barf bag. Didn't know I was going to learn such great trivia about this. <laughs> uh, besides the obvious of probably all of us wanting to uh, wake up and get on the road again, um, there's that obvious connection. But as it relates to this topic, I thought it was a really good symbol on the road and the word again as well, because one of the fundamental challenges that we're trying to convey about selling in a recurring revenue or a cloud environment where the product is less sticky, as they say, you know, the customer is more likely to leave or they have more opportunity to leave. The on the road again sort of represents, let's not just sell to a customer and leave or keep the lights on with little engagement. It's all about getting on the road again with the customer, having a discovery about what they're seeing, what they're learning, how they're using their product that you've sold to them so that you can learn from that and continue the journey even longer. So that was the connection uh, I thought was really appropriate from this lyric to our topic. I think so. And and if you look at it even a different way, Dave, Think about companies that thought they were ready for anything. Companies thought they were set. Maybe they dipped their toe in the digital transformation end of the pool in the water, and they thought everything was cool. And then March 15th, 2020, at least here in the U.S., 
we went in pandemic mode and everything changed and businesses were forced to rethink and to shutter. And they found themselves for all good planning. What is that? Uh, man, man plans and, and God laughs. Remember that one? And they found themselves on the road again to how do we transform? How do we pivot? How do we stay agile and nimble? What do we do with our business to keep it going? And so on the road again, I think Dave has such incredible meaning this year. Do you agree with that, Dave? Absolutely. It's what we all want. Hit the road again. That's right. We want to stay on that road again. I like that. Thank you. Wonderful quote, John Scola. John has sent us a quote from Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin released the song in 1971, composed by guitarist Jimmy Page and vocalist Robert Plant for their untitled fourth studio album, usually called Led Zeppelin Roman numeral four. The song is often regarded, John, you probably know this, as the most popular rock song of all time. It has three sections. It increases in tempo and volume. It was voted number three in 2000 by VH1 on its list of the 100 greatest rock songs, and it was number 31 on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time. And here's the lyric that John has sent us, and he'll explain it. Yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. John Scola, beautiful lyric. Talk to me. How'd you find this? Well, it was actually in my uh, my senior yearbook. It was one of the quotes <laughs> that I chose. And I was like, ah, let's use it again. Um, funny that it mentions road and David's had to do with the road. And also Charles is talking about moving from one place to another, which you yes. take a road. So interesting that the three of us have these um, various um, quotes, but they all related to the road or movement. Um, I chose it not just because it was in my high school yearbook, but because we we work with partners every day and we are trying to get them to change their business. And there is no one road that you need or can take. I wish it was that simple to say, hey, just do these following five steps and you will achieve stardom. But unfortunately, you can't. So the idea here was that, listen, you know, as the quote says, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Meaning it's okay to try and innovate and do things and learn that you made the wrong decision and course correct Mm -hmm. and take another avenue to get to that eventual goal. And so, you know, that's, that's why I chose it. It's it's the, uh, let's embrace the fact that we could make mistakes and let's embrace the fact that we can also correct and move forward and be and still be successful. So, thank you, John. Love, Love the quote, and of course, that was just a year or two ago in your yearbook. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, just, recently, yeah, exactly. You just keep, keep yeah. it. I don't know. Is it propping mm-hmm. up a three-legged stool, or is it next to the bedside yeah. table, or? or I it's think on- it's actually underneath my laptop, holding this webcam up. There, there you go. <laughs> Interesting. You know the mantra, John, fail fast, fail often. And there are many statements as well about it's okay to fail as long as you learn. Didn't Thomas Edison, was that the one or Einstein? Somebody said, I haven't failed 9,999 9, times, but I was on the way to succeeding the 10,000th time. I've just completely butchered that quote, <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah, it's exactly. learning and growing and changing the road. And you're absolutely right. And John, your observation was spot on because I love when my my panelists come at the quote part of the show from different directions, different preferences and different uh, loves of movies and songs and remembrances and just looking things up. And the quotes tend to all go on to that theme. 
without you all getting together and planning it that way. And that's very gratifying to me. So thank you all. Let's move to the roundtable serious part of the show right now. Charles Bennett, you're up first. And I'm going to read a statement, one of several that Charles sent me. I'm going to read it. Charles, take a couple minutes, expand it, please take your time. And then we will ask Dave Hartley to, Dave, agree or disagree with Charles. It's okay to do either, but add your thought leadership. All right. And then John Scola, I'll ask you to agree or disagree with Charles and or with Dave. So you get twice as much content to talk about. Mm. Then Charles will have you wrap around and see if there's anything you want to say back to them. Then I'll pick a statement from David. We'll go around the table and one from John. So let's see where we go. Here's what Charles told me. We have observed that the partner businesses most successful and the first to be successful are those where the leadership is entrepreneurial, sales-driven, and who have a clear business vision, goals, and focus. So let's keep this on our topic today of cloud economics. Is there a silver bullet? Charles, you are up first. Go ahead. So thanks, uh, Bonnie, for that question. And I think, um, you know, as I said earlier, uh, we've been lucky enough to, and I've been lucky enough to meet with partners all around the world. And so when I say we observe, we, we actually observe those companies and those organizations who are being successful. And, and um, the other thing to reflect on uh, of course, is that the uh, this is a road that people need to go down. It's not an obvious road. It's a difficult road. And so the the attributes or the characteristics of the, of the people that are out there in front are the entrepreneurial people. So the, the leadership uh, who have either the, the or have the vision um, and see the opportunity and then take their company with them to realize that opportunity. You know, uh, you know, some people uh, just have that entrepreneurial spirit and, uh, and, and they, they see an opportunity and they, they learn what they need to do to grasp that opportunity. Um, so, so that's what I'm reflecting on. The consequence for, the, for those organizations is that they are often the first movers in the market. By first movers, they tend to get the best reputation first. They learn hard lessons, but because they're entrepreneurial, they get up again and, and go on into the, into, you know, into the next phase, try it again. Um, uh, and, you know, all over the world, you know, you, you can look at the examples from, from China to Latin America and, you know, to, to Europe. We've got different examples of these kind of people, and they show the way for the others. Um, as John said, you know, the, the paths are not, there's not one single path, but they show the paths that are possible. And they, and they really are inspirational, I think, for, for the rest of us to learn from and to follow. Thank you very much, Charles. Appreciate that. Good insight on our first roundtable topic. Dave Hartley, you're up. Agree or disagree with Charles? Go ahead. Well, unfortunately, I can only agree with Charles uh, in what he said, especially um, well, your points, Bonnie, that you raised in the quote that he gave you about entrepreneurism and focused on a vision, I can't argue with that. What I was hoping Charles would speak to so I could uh, rough him up a little bit was on the <laughs> sales driven. So just some context, what we're talking about is a transition in the industry from moving from on-premise software to cloud. And some point in 2018, the experts tell us there was a tipping point between those two business models, so to speak. And to me, the, the sales approach or sales driven belongs in the past. And now we're moving into the future because a mature cloud business is going to have around 80% of their bookings every year is going to be a renewal of a contract. So it's not sales driven, it's customer driven. So what happens up to that point 
is we need to make sure that that customer is happy, not felt like they're sold to, but felt like they have a partner on a journey, you know, on the road again, on the journey <laughs> towards uh, successful outcomes, not once, not twice, but ongoing through the life cycle of that relationship. So uh, what, one thing that we do and, and uh, explain to partners a lot is this defocusing on sales, both in terms of cultural mindset, but also in terms of investments made and putting that focus after the sale happens and after the product is delivered and making sure you're still there, not from a sales capacity, but from a nurturing capacity. And I know Charles knows this. I just felt like I could uh, use that to make that point. <laughs> That's why we call it a round table because we go around the table and we want everybody's point of view and thought leadership. Thank you, Dave. Charles, I'll give you a chance to answer everybody after we get John Scola to chime in. John, you're up. Agree or disagree with anything or everybody from the two of them. Go ahead, John. It can be really controversial and disagree, but I'm not going to be because uh, I think these guys are both spot on. Um, clearly, the, the, the partners that we work with who are leading the pack are certainly, they have a vision. They drive to that vision relentlessly, right? They know where they're going. And that vision is usually contagious and the people that they bring on board follow along with them. And that is um, very important because this transition that our partners need to make from on-premise to um, cloud is a cultural change. It's a change on how they work, um, how they go to market, um, what the solutions are that they that they sell, etc. cetera. Um, also, you know, the fact that, you know, what David said also, um, that ongoing customer relationship, extremely, extremely important. Be just if you under, if you see the cash flow of a cloud deal versus the cash flow in an on-premise deal, that says it all, right? In an on-premise, it's you get one lump sum, you're paid, you do your implementation, and you can pull pull up stakes and move on to the next customer. In the cloud world, you're going to get paid over time, little bits and pieces over time, and so you have to stay engaged in order to make sure that that money continues to come in. And so, and that you know, but going back to the vision piece. Your employees need to change how they think about how they're engaging with their customers so that they're always driving that that value um, for for their customers. And so uh, it's a significant change. And I'm all in. Totally agree. Good points. Thank you very much, Charles. I will let you talk back to them. Now you can. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think um, I, I, I would uh, the, the, take what Dave said and, and put that as an ad. So um, on average... The, of the of those entrepreneurs that I meet, for example, they happen to have come from a sales background. Mm -hmm. They typically have that that sales ability, to, uh, and part of that is that entrepreneurial drive. I think entrepreneurial drive and selling you know, they're very closely linked together. But also the to 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 build on that with what Dave said is they've understood that it's all about the customer, and it's all about the customer success, um, uh, which means you know the hard work is winning the customer and then the hard work starts again to make sure the customer stays with you uh, but and it's all about the customer but so i think it's an it's an ad dave a very good one dave 
Thank, Thank you very you, much. Good roundtable. Dave, I'm glad you broached that about, uh, yes, about bringing that up. I appreciate that. That's all I want to do is spark a conversation going great. Dave Hartley, I'm looking at your statement number four you sent me. This is interesting. I think this will ring true with everybody in our listening audience to say a new sale will always be more exciting than retaining a customer. But Good customer success practices help to refine a customer acquisition approach as well by understanding the best prospects to target and by creating advocacy or word of mouth sales. Very interesting concepts in there. Dave Hartley, I'm putting you up on speaker view. Let's take a deep dive and unpack this, please. Yeah, I love this one. Um, you, you can't argue. You know, we started with uh, Charles' statement about sales driven. You can't argue a sale. You can't easily break down the, you know, the image or the act of ringing a sales bell. Everyone likes a new customer and, and getting new revenue in the door. Uh, there's a big cultural barrier for the most part for a lot of companies trying to execute where they haven't in the past in a cloud business in that they see the recommendations coming from us, from others that you need to invest after the sale. And the response invariable back, invariably back is, well, we want more sales. Why would we invest outside of sales? And there's some really good answers to that. And it's not just me saying it. There's proof in any company who's made this investment. There's a twofold or a, a two-pronged return to a company that makes this investment that's not directly in sales, but it's in making sure your customer is happy, using their solution, um, excited about it. And it's a virtuous cycle in that when you stay engaged and you understand the customer, you can then go back in your sales engine, your marketing engine to know how can I best target customers that are a good fit for me? I've learned what's not working. I've learned what, what's working. Now I'm back in the sales realm. I'm feeding all that information back to get better targeted customers. you got a better message to a story to tell. So you're better at sales as a result of this investment after sales. And the second piece is you start to have an engine in your company that's really selling for itself, which is called advocacy sales. You have customers that are so happy, so engaged. It could be um, casual conversation. They could be on social media. Word is going to get out that you have happy customers and through no additional sales investment and low to no acquisition cost, you are getting those sales as a result of this investment, which is after the sale happens. And partners that we speak to, um, you can see their eyes open up when, when we talk about this and sort of seeing the prospect of this where they haven't thought of this in the past. Thank you very much. Very interesting, Dave. Thanks for that topic. Let's go around the table. John Scola, whether you know it or not, you're virtually sitting next to Dave Hartley. So I'm going to put you in a little bit of a hot seat here. Agree or disagree? John Scola, talk to me. Yeah, um, spot on. And it's funny how we all celebrate those new sales and, you know, the wind, the, the ring, the bell email comes out and we're all so excited about that. Maybe in a few years, we'll be getting the ring the bell because we just renewed a big piece of business or, you know, the ring the bell because we just upsold more licenses into an existing account because the customer is so overjoyed with, uh, with the solution and the value that, that they've, uh, that has been brought forward as a result. Um, that would be ideal. Um, so I think that David is spot on. You know, um, Bonnie, the last time we spoke, I made a prediction. And mm -hmm. I said, um, I said uh, the future of the sales rep 
will be customer success, right? And Charles is smiling. I don't know if everyone could see him, but we've talked about this in the past that we think that there's going to be a fundamental shift, right? We're not going to be just, you know, ramping up our traditional sales folks like we, like we have done for the last hundred years or so, but we're going to be taking people out. We're going to lead sales cycles with our customer success folks or we should. It's a prediction. I'm not saying SAP is doing this. I'm saying we will in the future. I think people will in the future because those customer success individuals, those people who work with their customers after the deal are the ones who really truly understand the pains that a, that a customer is going through and really know how to address them as well. And they've, they've problem solved. They've, they've found the fix, what have you. Those folks with their intelligence and their experience are going to be the best sales reps that we could ever have because they can sell with experience. And so I think it's just a complete flip-flop is actually what's going to happen. So we'll be getting ring the bell newsletters about uh, upsells and renewals. And um, we'll have those customers, same customer success people trying to get ring the bell uh, newsletters for new sales in the future as well. The interesting shift. Thank you very much. A lot of shifting going on. Charles Bennett, join us, please. You're third on this round. What do you think? Agree or disagree with either or both? Let's hear it. I agree with them both. Um, I'd also like to emphasize what Dave said about that learning process. So really bringing the, what we've learned from, from, the, from the customer engagement back in uh, to, the, to the beginning of the process. And then the final thing in terms of what both uh, Dave and John said, which is, the profitability when you when you switch from thinking about when you win a customer and when you get the re, get the you know, beginning of a deal coming you know coming into a business and start talking profitability, all of the profitability comes over time. So all all of your your profitability as a business comes over the the customer lifetime, not when you've sold it. It comes later. Thank you very much, Dave Hartley. This was your topic. What do you think? Um, I think I represented it pretty well with lots of agreement. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this is, uh, we work on these topics almost every day. It's no surprise that we're in agreement. Um, it's easy to sort of fall into a trap of, of all thinking the same thing, but they're, they're true, right? These things are true and maybe a little bit hidden if you're not immersed in or don't have a lot of experience or runway behind you in a recurring revenue or cloud business, that if you don't have that experience, you might not think these things are true, but we see it every day in terms of that virtuous cycle and the need to defocus on the sales aspect, even though at that same time you do that, you still can get more sales and a healthier business as a result. So I can only agree with the guys who agreed with me who um, you know, speaking of virtuous cycles. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> thank, thank you, Dave. John Scola, I'm looking at your statement number four. This is interesting. And let's go back to one of our key topics here today, which is cloud. You say the renewal of a cloud offering is determined in the first 90 days after the deal is closed, or shall we say the deal is sealed. Fast time to value is critical to long-term customer success. So we can look at customer success through two lenses, John, the success of that person with their cloud, uh, with their cloud, whatever they're doing in the cloud, and the success of the customer that the partner signed up. So I think mm-hmm. there are two, two, two levels of customer. It's at the customer success and the success of the, making them a customer. And I, you can uh, tackle that any way you want. So, 
John Scola, you're up. Those two topics are very well in, intertwined with each other, I find. Oh, I, I think I'm also live on your thing here. Okay, so um, you can see me moving my fingers around, being all intertwined. Excellent. Um, what do I mean by this? I mean that we're taking a step back, talking about you know how do partners achieve profitability within their cloud practices? The way to achieve that, Charles said it, is by driving long-term value and the lifetime value of that customer, meaning they're going to continue to pay you that recurring revenue and you're going to continue to put money in your pocket in order to drive to that all-important profitability number. That's the silver bullet, right? Making sure you're driving long-term value. And the way with which you do that is by delivering great customer success. The first 90 days of an engagement, meaning after the deal is closed, we ring that bell, the first 90 days of the engagement is so critical because it's that's that's when you know the rubber hits the road. It's the customer saying, wow, I just signed up to this five-year commitment with this partner and with this solution. Things better start happening. So how quickly can we provision a tenant? How quickly can the partner start to really take down the requirements of that customer? How quickly can the, can the partner put together an action plan on how quickly we're going to implement phase one, phase two, phase three, in order to show quick value for that customer? So fast value. The faster that our partners can turn that around, the faster our customers are excited and want to stay engaged and keep paying that quarterly, monthly, annual bill for that, for that, um, for that cloud subscription. So um, it's all about the partner understanding the customer. It's all about the partner taking action. And it's all about the partner delivering upon what was agreed to during the sales cycle, which is I'm going to solve your business needs with this cloud solution. And in so doing, the partner ends up putting money in their pocket and driving that all important dollar and profitability that they need to in order to have a sustainable business in the cloud. So I see them all as kind of intertwined, like I was saying. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. This was John's statement. So let's go to Charles. You're sitting next to John, whether you know it or not, on our virtual. Virtual. Go ahead. Charles, what do you think? Um, so I'm in agreement with, with John, and as, as he was talking, I was thinking it's uh, very relatable uh, if, to, to our behavior. So, you know, when you meet someone uh, or, or you engage a, someone who provides you with a service at, you know, at home, pretty quickly you'll, you'll know, uh, you'll have that feeling, you'll know whether they ha can match with you, whether, they, whether you trust them, whether you, you, you can see that they're competent at what they're doing. You know, it's, it's the same thing. And I think the, the point about the 90 days, though, it really emphasizes the thing about speed. Uh, we, uh, you know, in our home life, when we meet a supplier, we make a very quick decision about whether we trust them and are confident, are confident in them or not. Maybe in a work environment, we'll allow people the chance to prove themselves. But that window is pretty small. Uh, and I think that's why the, you know, the 90 days is important to, to just remind ourselves that we need to prove ourselves fast. And that is the foundation for that ongoing relationship. Thank you very much. Dave Hartley, join us. I have to agree. And I think of the term, I love it. I use it all the time. 
uh, create and iterate, which is essentially what John is saying, right? Fast time to value. One thing that we haven't mentioned in this context, we keep talking about lifetime value or long-term. What we're implying by that is if you're coming from an on-premise environment, obviously most of the profits are made at the time of the sale. So there wasn't an inducement really to prove yourself early and over the long term in a create and iterate fashion. But with the lack of stickiness of cloud solutions relative to on-premise, the recurring revenue aspect to it where the revenue in is spread out over a much longer time, very few cloud deals are going to make money in that concentrated period around the sale. So it's in your best interest to take your time prove value quickly in something small with a game plan over the long term to extend that and a roadmap to make it clear how you're going to expand on that once you get that early win. But I'd say it's almost essential to have this create and iterate uh, approach or fast time to value, not trying to have the big bang where everything happens at once and nobody knows what's going on and there's confusion about what module does what in the solution. So it's it's really a approach that's that's necessary. And I love the create and iterate kind of mantra that goes with it. I, I love that, David, the create and iterate, particularly in the cloud, right? Because we are we are improving our solution and and re- releasing different enhancements every quarter for some of our solutions. Sometimes it's every six months. And so there's an opportunity for the partner to always be creating and iterating with our customers, with their customers. It's mandatory, right? Because if we are, if you're, I'm a customer and I'm paying every single quarter for that subscription, and I was promised that I was going to get new features and new functionality throughout, which would make my experience that much better, make my business that much more efficient. You know, the partner has to create and iterate on each one of those releases in order to continue to drive that value for the customer. So um, I, I love that saying, David. That's the first time I've heard you say that, actually. So. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank yeah, I was you, gonna, John. Can I also just jump in yeah, for a second? Sure. I, you know, Charles said something which I thought was really cool, which was about first impressions. You know, it's not, you know, it's just, it's so natural, right? The first impressions when you meet somebody for the first time, just in, you know, I, I'm introduced to a friend tonight, let's just say, and, I, you know, you'll, you'll have your first impression, whether it's right or wrong, but mm-hmm. boy, that can last a really long time. It's just like, you know, our partners, they have an opportunity to create an impression during the sales cycle, but boy, once that customer starts writing that check, that impression better be really strong and better maintained for a long time or else that check's going to stop being written and those economics aren't going to play out very well. So I think that's an excellent point and it really picks up on like a cultural norm that we all experience every day and brings it to the business. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks. Oh, thank you, John. Thank you around the table. John, that's why we have, we like really great conversation starters that go around the table and bring out all these ideas. And by the way, to the listeners, we don't script these shows. We float from topic to topic as the moderator. I get to pick one of the topics from what my guest sent me in advance. And then we just basically riff around the table and the ideas bubble up to the top. And that's what's so nice about having a conversation. We have time to squeeze in one more topic. Charles Bennett, I'm looking for at statement number two. 
too. This gets back to our topic, silver bullet, yes or no, to cloud economics. So let's go tie it back a little bit about the recurring revenue business model. You say GAAP, I'm going to say GAP, you're going to tell me if I'm right or wrong. GAP accounting, thank you, is not fit for the purpose of planning and steering a recurring revenue subscription business. Adopting unit economics, where the customer is the unit of measure, is the most appropriate approach. I really need you to unpack this. Give us a little bit of level setting here. Charles Bennett, you're up. Go ahead. Yeah, cool. So, so um, GAP or US GAP or IFRS are the standards that um, uh, all businesses uh, subscribe to um, in, t- in terms of their accounting standards. And, and the point here is, um, and you remember earlier, we spoke about project-based uh, on-premise style revenue businesses. Now, whilst all of us have to submit our tax returns as individuals. Uh, companies have to do their annual P&Ls. But when you only look at the annual P&L, at the project profitability, what you miss out on is the profitability coming from recurring revenue streams. So if I was only to think about my business in terms of the, the investment and, I, and the profit that I make this year, then I, I would never invest in a subscription business. Mm. When, I, when I look at uh, a subscription business over time, then I start realizing that the value I get uh, is much superior. And um, by using what they call unit economics, where the unit of measure is the customer, uh, I'll be trying to balance the investment that I need to make to win a customer with the return on the investment of winning that customer. And that's just the thing that both Dave and John were, were talking about in terms of the long-term or life term, lifetime value. What is the lifetime value or return on investment, you might say, uh, for um, the investment that I make to win every customer? Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. We still have time. Dave Hartley, love to get your thoughts. Join me. I disagree with Charles bringing up gap accounting um, for our, <laughs> our audience. I, I feel like this is a Finally. setup for the CPA to explain gap accounting. So I have, um, I didn't prepare any notes, but I'm going to dig up some old textbooks and explain gap accounting. Um, Charles is right. Lifetime value. Um, it, what I understand Charles is saying, which is 100% true, unavoidable. It's not even an opinion. If you have a recurring revenue business, let's say, a customer bought a $90 deal just for the sake of simple numbers over three years. By my math, that's $30 a year. And if your cost structure for that customer is $60, well, you're not going to make money until year three, which is essentially what one of the things Charles is saying. And one of the themes that we're talking about when we're saying stickiness of a uh, of a customer uh, in it for the long term, not just selling and and moving on, it's all about making sure the customer is happy because they have way more opportunity to leave with the cloud solution. And furthermore, you need that customer for the long term for the red numbers to head into the black. That's the only accounting reference I'm going to make other than the term gap in this answer. But Charles is right for sure. Glad we got you to bring out that CPA training, Dave. I knew it would come in handy somewhere (laughs) in this conversation. I was banking on it. John Scola, got to get your POV on this one. What do you think? Where are we? Gap, gap? Go ahead. Gap the gap, for sure. Um, Yeah, I I took accounting years ago. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> in, in, in the same date as your yearbook, we know that. Pretty much, pretty much. Last year, okay. Yeah, but uh, I think the, the, the point that I see is that, is, Charles mentioned it, which is break even takes a long time in the cloud. And um, you have to be ready to, to shoulder that length of time in order to get to that almighty profitability. And the only way that you're going to be able to get there is by staying engaged with your customer and maximizing their value from the solution. I feel like I'm, I, I'm like a broken record, I think, on this show, maybe. I hope I haven't said that too many times. Okay. But it is so critical because we all, we, 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 you know, the way that we think about our partners is like they're, they're, our, they're our family and we want them to be successful. And, you know, we try to set expectations. I mean, we've got models. Charles has done many, many economic models uh, articulating how long it takes in order to become profitable on a deal, how long it takes to become profitable on a practice. And it is, um, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, and it's not for those who are accustomed to what happened in, in the on-premise days. And so, you really need to be in it for the long term with your customer, constantly engaged, always adding value, and figuring out new ways with which to do more with that customer as well, right? How do you maximize the share of wallet with them? And that's by adding, that's by being invited back in to to sell more op, sell more solutions and more projects, uh, if you will. It doesn't always have to be an SAP solution. My goodness, it could be another solution that adds value to the customer. Awesome. I hope that SAP was able to be the wedge to get you in the door. Great. Um, but it, it is all about, uh, just to repeat myself again, it's all about that lifetime staying engaged and driving that continuous value. Thank you very much. Charles, anything you want to say back to either co-panelists before we go to our predictions? Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to sort of link it back to the first statement that we spoke about was, was the entrepreneurs. So the entrepreneurs see that value opportunity. Uh, and then in terms of the economics, what they understand is that looking at, at every customer, every take every customer as an investment. You, in, you invest in, in winning that customer, you establish revenue streams, which of course you ensure the customer is successful and happy and you expand those revenue streams. And when you do that, you consequently, the customer stays for a, for a long time. Every time you expand the revenue stream, and uh, for the longer you keep the customer, all of that goes on your bottom line. So coming back to the economics, the entrepreneur sees that bottom line opportunity from uh, and that return on their investment. In addition, if they are uh, a shareholder, what they'll also notice is that the value of their shares is much higher when it's a predictable recurring revenue business. So again, bring it all, all the way back to the entrepreneur and the economics. All of this comes together to a much better business proposition. Thank you. Good around the table. Gentlemen, it's time for the crystal ball predictions. I'm going to give you each one minute. Use it any way you want. One sentence, two, three, four. If it's one sentence, you can have two commas and three semicolons and a lot of hyphens <laughs> and a couple of ellipses in there to make it long, but no more than one minute apiece because we're almost out of time. So Charles Bennett, I'm putting you back in the spotlight, even though you just spoke and thank you all for your wonderful roundtable statements and the great quotes, of course. Charles Bennett, what do you predict will change about cloud economics? Will we find a silver bullet, or is it just going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of working on the value of customer success? Charles Bennett prediction, go! 
Uh, my prediction is that uh, not everyone's going to make it. Those who don't start, we're not going to see. There's a lot of very famous names in business that we don't see anymore. We're going to have our fair share. Thank you. Dave Hartley, that was short, Charles. I it's probably one of the shortest predictions I've ever heard. Okay. Dave Hartley, prediction. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm not a technology person, but I'm gonna I'm gonna broach into the area of technology. Uh, so you set this up, Bonnie, with cloud economics. What's what's the crystal ball in cloud economics? Uh, but underneath the cloud economics is what we're talking a lot about, which is customer success, customer engagement. My prediction today, well, actually, before I get to the prediction, just some context. Today, we solved this solution because it's relatively immature. Sorry, solved this problem because it's relatively immature with some pretty blocky investments, whether it's putting people against the solution, things like that. But we can't scale those too well. So my prediction is in the future, this approach to customer success and engagement will be seamless. If you think about an iPhone or an Android app where you're constantly giving feedback, they're receiving it, they're tweaking the app, you don't even know it, and you're getting Mm -hmm. a better experience. Enterprise software is not quite there yet. It's very focused on the procedural aspect, integration with multiple aspects of the company. It's a lot more complex. But there's an end user at the end of that who may or may not be having a good experience and has a lot to say. And I think the future is going to enable that feedback to happen seamlessly without us knowing. And the experience is going to be better and the solutions will be better for solving the business challenges. So not a super technical answer, but we can all relate to that knowing how slick apps can be that are simple, that isn't easy to implement in an enterprise application, but we will head there is my prediction. Thank you, Dave. And I appreciate the optimism in that. And you didn't need to be super technical, but you spoke to us as people. And that was what it was important. John Scola, you get the last word. Predict, please go. My prediction. Well, last time I predicted that customer success reps would be tomorrow's uh, sales reps. I think that prediction still holds true. But in building upon that, um, my prediction is that subscription will be a way of life. Mm-hmm. And so that means that, you know, the ways that we did things in the past are going to go away, right? And we all need to, as consumers, think about how do we, how do we maintain our cash flow and our budgets, right? In order to be able to continue to buy Comcast and our cell phone services and everything else that we have in our lives, even things that we haven't thought about are going to be subscription-based. And, and then that's also for, you know, businesses like our partners, you know, most likely, the on-premise business will get smaller and smaller and smaller, and everyone's going to have to be super comfortable with driving a subscription-based business. And then our customers as well will be thinking about not not you know they're already thinking about it, which is capex and opex, and how do how do you balance that? But it's even going to be more so in the future. So, subscription will be the way of life. Thank you, and I think we're already seeing that on a consumer basis. I know that. Back in the day when I was a a budding graphic designer many years and several careers ago, I think I'm on my seventh or ninth career right now and and really loving this one the most actually as a broadcaster. But I remember having to buy software. I had to buy Adobe Illustrator. I think it was Mm -hmm. $899. I had to buy Photoshop. 
$699. I had to buy Quark Express. Now for $10.14 a month, I subscribe to Adobe Creative Cloud and I have so much wonderful software to play with and they update it behind the scenes and I don't have to worry about it. And I think we're getting into that subscription. I know we're getting into that. John, that was very astute and we always like to bring it back to the real people in our audience. They're not just enterprise people. We're all just people, people. So thank you all. Let's do some shout outs here. Thank you again to Sarah Dolan, sponsor of the series. Sarah, we wish you well with your new growing family and David McAtamney, Wonderful to work with you this year. We're so happy to have gotten to know you and wish you all the best in your new position. I understand something you really, really wanted. We're happy for you. Dennis McHugh, I hope you renew the series because we've had wonderful conversations this year. And I think we would, I know we would love to continue it. And our listeners around the world would love to hear more. Charles Bennett, it's been a pleasure. David Hartley, it's been a pleasure. John Scola, always a pleasure. Love the background and the hat. You just rock that hat. John, I hope our listeners can see that eventually if they see the video. Matt Widener at Voice America Business Channel. Thank you to our engineer, Matt. And here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is still getting two months to the gallon. How are you doing on mileage? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Charles Bennett, just like Dave Hartley, just like John Scola. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Happy holidays to all. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and I'm going to say it. Stay sane. 2020, be gone. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.